Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path. <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? Froth here with the Thought Eater Podcast. It's Wednesday, so I'm pumped. I hope y'all are pumped up too. It means Hump Day Bloggerama time. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you've never listened to this weekly show before, basically I am uh, talking about cool stuff from RPG blogs. I spend the week reading through, bookmarking, looking for awesome stuff to talk about. And you know, <clears throat> this show is really easy to do in a lot of ways because it's just an endless stream of talent and interesting stuff. I never have to you know, be worried. Am I going to come up with a good idea? Should I talk about armor class? What am I going to talk about this week? Uh, it just comes to me. And um, over at the Thought Eater blog, that's uh, froth, S-O-F, frothsoft, dnd.blogspot.com. I uh, put up a companion blog post with these. It's got all the links I talk about, images from them, things like that, to make it really easy for you to check all this awesome stuff out. And believe me, there's plenty of awesome stuff. So I think that's about all I need to give for an introduction. Let's get cracking. All right, so I always start off each uh, hump day episode talking about cool maps and cartography that I spotted around. Um, and, man, this week is unbelievable stuff, y'all. So uh, I've talked about Michael Prescott's work before. He does the uh, Trilemma Adventures blog. It's blog.trilemma. That's T-R-I-L-E-M-M-A.com. The Trilemma Adventures blog also has a Patreon that I linked up there on the blog. Anyway, put up another one of his uh, amazing one-page adventures, um, The Mouth of Spring. And, uh, man, you know, doing these isometric maps, I mean, even really good mappers and artists tend to struggle with these and it's almost makes them seem human sometime where they're like, Hey, look, I, I tried an isometric map and you look at it and you're like, Oh, well, you are hum a human being, you know, but with Michael, uh, he's a master of it. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. He's got this amazing one up. That's got this kind of cavern complex joined by two fountains that, uh, have like heads that have, you know, water pouring out of them. So, the, thus the name, the mouth of spring. Anyway, you'll just have to see it to believe it. <clears throat> so go over to the blog and check it out. Uh, definitely would be wanting to download these. You know, I also saw Michael mention, he's talked for the last few months about compiling all of these into a, uh, a book for a Kickstarter. And I uh, saw him mention on Google Plus that this is the last one before the Kickstarter. Uh, that there's some kind of world setting stuff to be written, but that, uh, you know, these will be, you know, ready to go. And I, I know that that Kickstarter is going to be really successful. And it's not just because of the talent. Uh, Michael's always, you know, just, I don't know, real nice person, interacts well with others. Uh, his stuff um, appeals to a wide variety of folks because it's kind of... Um, system neutral and can be used with a lot of different things and uh 
has been putting this stuff up really for free for people for years, you know, years and years. And so I'm really happy that he's about to get a big payday because I think this Kickstarter is going to be wildly successful, unbelievable talent. And if you're on his Trilemma Adventures site, you want to scroll down to the right-hand column where it says the most popular posts. And there's a post called Big Freaking Map. You want to make sure to grab that because that is a hex map that has all of the one-page adventures populated on there. So I see people all the time talking about, I, just, I don't want to run something big and long, or I want to do a sandbox. I need some one-page stuff or whatever. you know. And I always point them to Charlemma Adventure site. It's unbelievably great. You got a hex map already built for you and all kinds of one-page stuff that you can just throw in. So if you want to see what a solid isometric map looks like, you want to head over to blog.trilemma.com. Now, um, another cartographer that I've followed around Google Plus for years now, Aniko Manicha. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Aniko Manicha, uh, a Spanish cartographer, um, put up Aniko's site. It's um, eltomocarmesi.blogspot.com. That's E-L-T-O-M-O-C-A-R-M-E-S-I.blogspot.com. Again, I've got the links up. Also has an awesome Patreon that I, that I backed and, and put up as well. He put up a, uh, the Great Temple of St. Sandustin Lodge, which is one of these maps that I love that has multiple perspectives. So it's got the kind of street view of the building, uh, kind of side perspective view of it, and then a top down. And it's just great work. It reminds me of uh, um, killer stuff that you may have seen in the old, you know, Warhammer or uh, Pelennor kind of stuff. Um, and anyway, I wanted to point out his Patreon too because um, the maps there are are you can use them for you know commercial for commercial use based on how, how many uh, followers and stuff he has on the Patreon. So um, it's a killer map. And then it's also stuff to check out. If you're, you know, kind of a budding designer, want access to some awesome stuff, get over and back that Patreon and check it out. And, um, Oh God. It's last, but certainly not least, you know, we have a creative hobby and, Anytime you have a creative hobby, it, it automatically attracts talent, you know. So there's no shortage of talent in the RPG industry from artists, cartographers, writers, even amazing just, you know, everyone doing the support work. There's amazing uh, editing uh, that you can notice someone's fantastic editing and layout. And it just, it's it's endless. So... There's never any shortage of talent, and because of that, sometimes you have to have a different word, I think, than just saying someone's talented. Uh, these are the thoughts that run in my mind talking about Jonathan Newell's work. Um, master is the word that comes to my mind. Put up a post on uh, Google Plus this week, the Thornwall Barbican Knothole Manor, and now... I'm sorry, it's just the Knothole Manor. Uh, that's just one of the labels on it. Anyway, I know Google Plus is going away, but I put up the link for it anyway. And because it led me to, sometimes I follow so many people on Google Plus that 
it kind of becomes a noise in the background and so I'll miss stuff or, or whatever and obviously I'd followed him a while back but I'd missed some of the work and I went to his blog beardeddevil.com it's beardeddevil.com and oh my god y'all their level of talent here is just unbelievable and I put up a post just entitled maps from the blog and it is a hex map that he did for his game and the level of detail and sophistication and just awesomeness of it is hard to put into words. You'll really just have to go over there and look because it does a zoom out view of what it is at the table and then continually zooms in to where you can see that the level of detail is astounding, really. I don't even know what to call it. I don't even know what to say. You know, there's no... To call it masterful is not really doing it justice. It's it's unbelievable. And in the comments of it, um, apparently there are some plans to publish this. It's kind of elusive what he's talking about. Has a publisher secured and a project in the layout phase, but it's kind of cryptic. But um, I just don't even know what to say. I mean, it's... Uh, it's something you need to just get over there and see, is what I guess I'm telling you. So, the mapping stuff this week, y'all, it's crazy. The, the level of uh, talent and um, that we're surrounded by constantly is unbelievable. Something fun this week over at Echoes from the Geek Cave. This is uh, Bigara's blog, Bigara, not sure. I like that pronounced, but it's geekechoes.blogspot.com. And um, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of what Gygax termed the uh, cleanup crew in the dungeons. These are all the oozes and puddings and slimes and whatever, stuff like that. So uh, there's been this uh, fun series over the last week or so. Um, so when you see the link over at the uh, Frothsoft D&D blog, you'll see that I just put all labels, uh, you know, search label ooze because they're all tagged with that. But you'll, you can scroll down and start at the beginning. But it's kind of just reviewing, uh, lovingly reviewing the different uh, puddings, oozes, and slimes and stuff. It's almost like uh, reminds me of Egon from Ghostbusters with the uh, collecting the spores and fungus and all that. But... Um, kind of goes through really through the lens of BX, so it's uh, provides the the stats and talks a little bit about them. So if you want to see a you know blogs oftentimes have these cool like retrospective uh, type series and posts, and so this was one that definitely caught my eye. If you, uh, I, I just like these creatures because they're kind of like you know they're like traps and hazards. They're never very fast, so if it's a foot race, the jellies always lose, but um, they're still fun to spring on your characters from time to time. And, um, you know, depending on their level of experience with the game, you know, they'll have to figure out what particular vulnerability or, or strengths and weaknesses each of these different ones has. Um, but I have fond, so many fond memories of dropping green slime on people. It's, uh, I don't know what that says about me as a GM, but go over to that link, uh, geek, 
echoes.blogspot.com and uh, look at that series on the uh, cleanup crew that Big R has got going on. Something that's less uh, like, you know, like a blog post and more just something I noticed it was a, a newsworthy thing. It was put up on a lot of different blogs, but I'm looking at, uh, at tribality.com on this, uh, T-R-I-B-A-L-I-T-Y, tribality.com. They mostly do 5E stuff, and um, they put up a post about this Stranger Things D&D starter set that's uh, getting ready to come out uh, at the New York Toy Fair. It was unveiled. And so it's a 5e starter set, but it's all themed around uh, Stranger Things. You know, I, I actually like Stranger Things a lot because it's it's right. I, I think it's aimed squarely at my uh, nostalgia factor because I, I, you know, I saw E.T. and Goonies and all that at the theater. That's when I grew up and started playing D&D. So um, what I think is neat about this is that the adventure in here is uh, the hunt for the Thessal Hydra created by the character Mike from the series. So I'm one, and the characters are also based, you know, the character sheets they give you are also based on the um, characters from the, the show. So I'm wondering if that means this is going to be kind of a, you know, modern day sort of adventure, which would be very different um, for uh, wizards to put out as far as five uh, E stuff goes. So, could this be a way to, you know, start playing more, you know, modern, you know, current time games with it? That's uh, really interesting to me almost as much as uh, just, you know, having this as a collectible or, or whatever. So anyway, they, it's good timing because they've got the third and I guess final season getting ready to, to come out. A lot of it was, uh, I live in Georgia and a lot of the show is filmed, you know, around you know, not far from where I live here in Athens, Georgia. And so it's hilarious to see some of the small towns, like the town squares and stuff that I've driven through and everything in the show. But anyway, um, I just don't see how I get away from buying this, you know, 25 bucks, Stranger Things, D&D box set. See you later, 25 bucks. So there are several different games out there that utilize, you know, regular deck of playing cards. Um, some games, that's what they use as the dice. It's the main mechanic is using them. Or some games might just use them for initiative or things like that. But, um, you know, there's all different ways over time that you see playing cards get uh, utilized with different RPGs. But... Uh, this week, there were a couple of different variants, ways to use playing cards for different things that are pretty system neutral um, that I thought were pretty awesome and that I'd share. And it's kind of interesting that they both came up this week. But first, over at Tarso's Theorem, T-A-R-S-O-S-T-H-E-O-R-E-M, Tarso'sTheorem.blogspot.com. This is... Uh, Saker Tarsos blog, and I am hoping that I pronounce that correctly. Um, uh, anyway, really creative idea here, um, and it's actually part one of uh, what I hope is a series. Um, but the idea is using playing cards as a random generator and a mapping system at the same time. And so this part one is mapping with playing cards, part one, cities. And uh, Saker has put together 
a really creative way of kind of generating a city on the fly and using both the suits and the numbers of the cards as you flip them to generate factions and the wealth and danger and all these different components of uh, different areas of the city. And um, it's really worth a read. And I would print this sucker out to PDF too. Um, just really, really cool. And uh, to think that they might do them for, um, for more than just the cities makes this one that you'll want to bookmark and come back and look at. So go over there and check out Mapping with Playing Cards. Part 1, Cities, uh, over at Tarso's Theorem. Also, um, Steve Winter, who kind of needs no introduction with uh, D&D circles, um, has a blog at howlingtower.com, as well as uh, writes on the Cobalt Press website as well. So, cobaltpress.com and then uh, howlingtower.com. Anyway, Steve put up a couple, several different variants of using six-sided dice and playing cards uh, to to generate chase scenes and you know rule on chase scenes in your game. And um, it's so weird chase using chase mechanics and stuff like that is is something that is really hard to get right. Um, someone pointed out to me the best chase rules of all time are in the James old James Bond game. And that may be true, but you know, not a lot of people are aware of the old James Bond game, you know, and, uh, even games that kind of pride themselves on chase rules like Savage Worlds or, you know, utilize them a lot. You know, they've gone through multiple iterations of it and, um, you know, it's a hard thing to nail down. Well, over at, uh, Cobalt Press... There's one set of rules, and then over at the Howling Tower, um, Steve put up another th- several variations on doing it. So it's another way to utilize the um, car- playing cards in a way that you may not have thought before. So between being able to generate maps and you know cities and plot hooks and everything else over at the Tarso's Theorem blog, and between the uh, chase scenes over at Cobalt Press and Howling Tower, you're you know you're on your way to having a whole playing card game going. So uh, really creative stuff this week with the card tricks. So check it out. A little blogger humor here. <clears throat> I don't know how it is with uh, WordPress, but anybody that uses uh, Blogger to do their blog. Um, once you get any kind of traffic at all, the spamming just comes out of the woodwork and, uh, you know, I think everybody kind of has to moderate their, their comments, uh, in some form or fashion. I know I do. I, I usually get like the same, it seems like it's the same kind of whatever bot or program or whatever it is, because what it'll do to me is just quote like a sentence out of my post and then put all these spam links. But over at uh, the Trollsmith blog, this is T-R-O-L-L-S-M-Y-T-H dot blogspot dot com. Uh, put up a couple of posts this week um, <laughs> that are hilarious, especially if you blog with a blogger. Um, or I guess, you know, if you have to deal with spam in any capacity. But 
The first one is called Are You Tired of Being Human and Good Posture? And it says, uh, pruning spam from the comments is damn near a daily thing. It's not unusual to wake and find some ad for Australian limos or alternative utility companies speckled through my posts. On occasion, however, I get a real doozy. This one combines poor English skills with an insane wackadoodle premise to rise above the rest. And so this is the spam comment uh, over at Trollsmith. Are you tired of being human? Having talented brain turning to a vampire in a good posture in 10 minutes? Do you want to have power and influence over others, to be charming and desirable, to have wealth, health, without delaying in a good human posture and becoming an immortal? If yes, these your chance. It's a world of vampire where life get easier. We have made so many persons vampires and have turned them rich. You will assured, you will assured long life and prosperity. You shall be made to be very sensitive to mental alertness, stronger and also very fast. You will not be restricted to walking at night. Only even at the very middle of broad daylight, you will be made to walk. This is an opportunity to have the human vampire virus to perform in a good posture. So, I mean, that has got to be the spam to end all spam. Uh, and then put up another one today. Uh, and you got to just read this one. So I'll just let this one be a surprise for you too. So anyway, blogger spam. You know, sometimes, hey, you know what? Sometimes it's gameable. Maybe there's a plot hook there, you know? Maybe they really are uh, selling you the ability to turn to a vampire. Who knows? So, 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons. I think just saying those words might cause some people's blood pressure to rise or their eyes to twitch a little bit. Um, I think even people that will say, oh, don't ever be a gatekeeper. Don't tell people not to have bad wrong fun or you know, follow Wheaton's Law. Even some people like that will never pass up a chance to, you know, kick the puppy that is fourth edition. So I don't know if there ever will be a time when people can talk objectively about 4E. There just seems to be such an imprint on people based on their experience, expectation, or, or, or whatever else. And there were so many arguments and addition wars and all that that I don't want to relive. But, you know, I've noticed recently people talking about it more, and I think part of that is time has gone by and people can look back on it without necessarily risking arguments or and also there's a little bit of, you know, absence making the heart grow fonder, whereas there were obvious issues with it that, you know, anybody can point to issues within any game that uh, some people might, you know, just have an easier time forgetting because of time passing by. Now, I actually started this blog around doing house rules for 4th edition. I, I mutilated 4th edition. Uh, you can go back and look at like the free zine and stuff that I put up to see. I, I was trying to kind of make an OSR game out of 4E. It was a a fun but uh, ultimately futile intellectual exercise. But uh, over at Terminally Nerdy, TerminallyNerdy.com, uh, they put up a post this week called 4th Edition, Was It Really That Bad? And this is just something that might not be interesting to a lot of my listeners, but what what I do think is 
something that I did want to mention is it's kind of, what's the word? It's informative, I think. If you're a game designer from a design standpoint, or if you are someone that likes the history of games, it is interesting to look at fourth edition and fifth edition because with fifth fifth edition, there is a lot taken directly from 4E. There's stuff taken from all the different editions, but um, things like powers and class features, recharging after a short rest, and some after a long rest, it's completely analogous to the uh, encounter powers and daily powers. The hit dice act a lot like healing surges. The death rules are basically straight from 4E. All, many, many of the archetype class features and stuff in 5E are taken from, you know, fifth edition or from fourth edition powers. Now, for a lot of people, they just started with 5E. It's the most popular system, you know, in D&D history. I have no reason to doubt Wizards and Hasbro when they say that. I can see that that is the case. Um, but, you know, for so many people to have strongly disliked 4th edition but love the stuff when it's in 5e, this is where I think it's kind of academically interesting in a way because it's all about presentation. So if I'm looking at doing designing a game and things like that, it's something I really pay attention to because it really is unbelievable how you can twist something, rephrase it, package it slightly different, phrase it in a slightly different way, and it goes from not, this isn't D&D, to, you know, the best edition of all time. It's just interesting to me. And you can see that transition into 5e with the later 4th edition Essentials stuff because it moved to being a lot less kind of technical. They try to present it more conversational, a lot like how the 5e PHB is. Now, in some games, it's, it's, it's a mess. It makes it hard to read or find what you're looking for when it does that. I, I think Pathfinder is that way. It's kind of like scanning the paragraphs to find the one part you need. But anyway, just something that popped in my mind when I saw this post over on Terminally Nerdy, and I've seen some people bring it up on Twitter and stuff lately. Um, I thought I would post one of my old 4th uh, edition posts after this. If you're looking at the blog, I put up, uh, post I did called, Hey, wait a second. Do I hate fourth edition? And it was just, uh, me kind of musing about how I liked it, but I hated it at the same time. And, you know, for me, I, I like all the editions. You could never find a version of D and D or a variant that, um, uh, if I had time that I would turn down playing, I, I, I enjoy different things about all of them. Obviously I like the OSR classic, uh, you know, first edition will always be my, my, my main love because that's the first thing I, I played. So, um, but anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this anymore. You may have tuned out the second you heard me say fourth edition. I really don't think we are at the point where anybody can, we can talk about it objectively. I think fourth edition is the kind of thing that you might find a couple of gamers, you know, throwing fists, throwing punches at the retirement community about it. So, uh, may, maybe try it back in another five, six years and, and see what it looks like then. <laughs> so as I was talking about 5e is just insanely popular and it's so popular that there's, there's literally a whole site that's more or less dedicated to 
to 5e homebrew dm's guild and um it's just astonishing how much stuff comes out for this game uh, i counted over you know it was like 70 free or pay just the free or pay what you want stuff 70 items in a week up on there and um i've started on saturdays doing a uh, kind of a highlight of the you know the best what i thought was the best uh, free and pay what you want stuff over there you can check that out on the thought eater blog but anyway um so I've been thinking about that because I've been working on the series. And then I saw over at uh, Punverse, P-U-N-V-E-R-S-E, punverse.blogspot.com. They put up a post from uh, Wild Rock Homebrew. Uh, and it's one of these, I love when these, when you see these, you know, this monster based or creature based on real life. And, you know, the, uh, the Mars rover, you know, finally died, I guess, like last week or really recently. And a Wild Rock homebrew had 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 statted out the Opportunity Rover like it's a creature, and it was really creative and kind of cute in a way. It reminds me of I forget the uh, short circuit movies or whatever, something like that. But anyway, I thought I would share with you a couple of blogs that uh, I mean you can't even begin to try to keep up with all the Five E homebrew on DM's Guild. I try to help out, but it's pretty impossible. And you know, there's a lot as you might expect. There's varying quality. But there are a couple of sites that really do great job. And one is this Wild Rock Homebrew. It's not Warlock, it's Wild Rock. So it's W-A-L-R-O-C-K-Homebrew.blogspot.com. That's one of them. Now this person used to put all the stuff just up on the Wild Rock site. And now they link a lot to DM's Guild stuff. But it's usually free to download. And it's high quality. And then over uh, the, middle, the middle finger of Vecna... Mage Hand Press site. That's M F O V from Middle Finger Vecna. M F O V dot dot com. It's a collection of people doing stuff, but I mean, every week there's two or three things it seems like that are all high quality PDFs you can download. So uh, classes, items, monsters, whatever. So if you're overwhelmed with the 5e homebrew, don't know where to look. You can really just bookmark those two sites and then maybe check out my stuff on Saturday. Plug, plug. But uh, And between all of that, you'll have a steady stream of really high-quality 5e homebrew to look at um, uh, that's, you know, that's really well done, really nice-looking, uh, reasonably well-balanced, and creative. All right, so I know some of my... OSR listeners might be ready to tune out after the last couple segments, but don't stop. Frost got something awesome for you. Stop. Okay, over at Crossing the Verse, crossingtheverse.wordpress.com, this person has just done something incredible. Taken all the AD&D spell compendium spells, over 2,000 of them, almost 2,100. They've been working on this for like five years. And I've got a spell database up on Google Drive that they put together from this. It's got all the spells by school, the, the durations, the effects, the this, the that. It's un, it's unbelievable. Uh, talk about a labor of love. Um, and this post goes into detail about how they've been working on this for years and, you know, kind of an analysis of, of how many spells by school there are and this kind of thing. Really interesting to read, but man, you got to, you got to bookmark that. 
uh, talk about handy and being able to scroll through 2000 spells all in one place. Um, my advice to go over to crossingtheverse.wordpress.com to this analysis of second edition magic post and thank the person. Thank them. With stuff like this, uh, you know, uh, it's just an incredible gift, really, to, to people. So um, you definitely want to go over there and check that out and also bookmark this uh, the spreadsheet. Super handy. Playing OSR games. I figure you're going to uh, be referencing this more than once once you take a look at it. I don't know if this will become a regular segment on the hump day blogorama. This is the last thing I want to talk about. I wanted to save this for last. But, you know, so many times we have what I'll call a lost blog. You know, these blogs that were so awesome, but, you know, for whatever reason, the person stopped blogging. And I always hope that it's not because anything bad happened in their life or, or anything like that, that they, you know, even though it's still sad, I hope that they just, you know, got sick of it. And that's why they, they stopped. Um, we all have different blogs, probably those of us that have been reading these things that love them, uh, that immediately pop in our mind when we think about, oh, I wish that person was still blogging or that blog was so great. Well, over at uh, Against the Wicked City this week, uh, this is actually, it's called, it's the, the URL is Udan Adan, so it's U-D-A-N-A-D-A-N.blogspot.com. Um, they do a post looking back at the game Small But Vicious Dog, and now this was written by Chris Hogan, who blogged at Vaults of Nago, and I'll get to that in a minute. So, this is looking at that game. It's kind of a kind of a BX hack sort of BX meets Warhammer fantasy sort of thing, which is cool. And this is a definitely a good post you want to read uh, by Joseph Manola. But uh, that's not what I wanted to really talk about. This just reminded me of the Vaults from the Go blog, which is V A U L T S O F. N-A-G-O-H dot blogspot dot com. Vaults in the go. This person, Chris Hogan, uh, blogged there. And then also followed Chris on Google Plus. But around the same time, you know, 2013, stopped posting on Google Plus, stopped the blog. And it was in the middle of a series on dangerous journeys. Now, Mythos from the dangerous journeys, you know, what was supposed to be a line of games. If you've never heard of Dangerous Journeys or Mythos, this was one of Gary Gygax's attempts at, you know, trying to capture lightning in a bottle again after Dungeons and Dragons. So first you had Cyborg Command, uh, Commando, which, yeah, Cyborg Commando. Uh, still, I'd play a game of Cyborg Commando. I'd have no problem with it, but it didn't catch on. Let's just put it that way. Uh, but then attempted with this Dangerous Journeys line, it was going to be different genres of games. And the first was this fantasy game Mythos. All right. Now, full disclosure, I have all of it. I've got all of the Mythos stuff. I bought it all, even the magazines. I've also got, you know, illicit copies of other games that were going to come out for the Dangerous Journeys line. But it is a glorious mess, the likes of which you may have never seen before. Um, it is the 1E DMG on acid. Um, it is needlessly complex, 
at the same time, you know, you never play it rules as written. At the same time, much like the 1E DMG, you can open up any page, close your eyes and point and find something interesting. It is the most Gygaxy of Gygax. It is unbelievable to read. Now, Chris Hogan was a hilarious, brilliant writer. And I've never laughed. I've never laughed in a nerdier way. <laughs> than reading through his Let's Read Mythos series. So I'll put up the link, because he was doing it on Monday. He was calling it Mythos Monday. He was doing a read-through of the books. And what's kind of scary, I hope this, you know, he stopped blogging at number 25 in the series. So it's almost as if just reading through Mythos, reading through Dangerous Journeys, you know, drove him from from the, from the RPGs. I hope that's not the case. I hope... And I'm not trying to make light of something serious happen, but it leaves the impression that it was like, oh, God, I can't take anymore and just, you know, gave up on the hobby. But it's a ton of posts, so, and they go in reverse order. So when you follow the link on my blog, you'll have to keep scrolling down and go to older posts if you want to start at the beginning. But if you've ever read Dangerous Journeys, uh, if you're one of the few out there that ever played it, or if you've ever been curious about it, there is no better, there is no more hilarious read through of the of the books of, of the main book than this they're just it's one of the most glorious things i can remember reading i think there are a few posts probably comments of mine here and there on there where you'll, where you'll see me laughing or complimenting him but um anyway if you're ever curious about dangerous journeys mythos and you or you've heard oh, i've heard that game's really complicated or uh, you know if and you and you really want to see what it's like through a hilarious um, lens, you can't do any better than going to the vaults and the go and reading back through the Mythos Monday stuff. So it's just, uh, I'm glad that um, over at the uh, Against the Wicked City blog that they posted about Small and Vicious Dog because it reminded me of the vaults and the go and how I need to go back and print all this stuff to PDF because if this ever goes down, I'll be so... Uh, I'm going to do it right after I get done. As a matter of fact, I don't want to lose it. It's gold. So um, if you have any interest at all in Dangerous Journeys, uh, want to see what Gygax was up to after D&D, &D, go to the one that great Lost blog, The Vaults and the Go, and check out the Mythos Monday series. All right, so that's what I got for y'all this week. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm always, there, there's so much stuff that I could have kept talking about a bunch of other stuff. There's always great stuff going on. Um, I mean, I, I mentioned before uh, uh, Dice and Locos doing the uh, the Monster Manual stuff. So you want to go to Dyson, D-Y-S-O-N-L-O-G-O-S dot blog. Uh, Dyson's continuing to post pages from that. Um, you know, there, there's endless stuff. Hopefully some of this, you know, you guys bookmark to go back and check it out. Uh, I saw Dungeons Possums put up a good post today about, um, you know, how to get in the OSR and old school D and D for free. There's really just too much for me to talk about. Um, but, uh, I, I hope you enjoyed it this week. Um, I always look forward to this. Uh, it, um, uh, it's a real pleasure for me and, it seems like slowly but steadily it's kind of gaining listeners on here. So um, if you 
If you're enjoying it, tell somebody about it. You know, let them know if, they, if you think it might be up someone's alley. If you're on the Anchor app, leave me a message. I'll play it on here. We can further discussion on some of this stuff. Certainly, if you've ever played Dangerous Journeys or have any memories of that, you know, let me know. Let's talk about it. Uh, it's worth talking about. Um, so, um, anyway, if you want to get in touch with me, obviously, the Anchor app. You can email me, frothsoft, that's frothsof, at gmail.com. Meet up with me on Twitter, frothsoft on Twitter. Check out the blog, frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. Uh, next on the podcast, you'll be hearing from me on Friday. I started the 5-Minute Fridays. I try to break up doing these long kind of things with some short stuff. So it's a you know just kind of a quick thought type deal be uh, under five minutes that I do on Fridays. So it'll be five minute Fridays. We're so far so good on playing in my night below game on Saturday. So assuming that happens Sunday, you'll get another night below recap. And then the whole thing starts all over as I'll be looking at blogs and everything to get ready for a hump day blogorama next week. So whoever you are, I really appreciate you listening. Thanks for checking it out and I'll talk to you next time.